KRCL, Salt Lake City. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from our sustaining members and Mark Miller Subaru. Welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. I'm Laura Jones. Thanks for plugging into your community weeknights at 6 with us here on Radioactive. Tonight on the show, a special edition of Meet the DJ with KRCL's own Circus Brown, celebrating 20 years as the host of Not a Sideshow and Circus. Welcome. Yes. Thank you for having me, Laura. Absolutely. This is going to be fun. I want to know the tomato <laughs> stories. Apparently, I need to say the word eagle beak to you. Okay. We and can do that. And I'm guessing with your playlist, there'll be a song to go or a story to go with every song, right? I hope so. Okay. Stick around, folks. Circus Brown is in the house and we got his playlist good to go. But before we get there, a few rallies and resources. If you go online to krcl.org, we do have an events calendar there, a community calendar. But under Community Affairs, you'll also find a Rallies and Resources tab, a list of upcoming rallies and grassroots resources in the community curated by the Radioactive team and you, because if there's something that you think should be on this list, you can always email me, radioactive at krcl.org. And folks, we got a, we got a, the Marmalade Jam Fest on Saturday going on at the Garden at Mountain West Cider, honoring the fruit trees that grew in the marmalade district and there's still some there i was living over there for a couple of decades i had a couple of fruit trees in my yard and people are still making jam out of what they grow there on october 8th dia de los muertos in ogden along with the ogden school district parenting elevated and they've got a great band to end the night sunatron we're going to be talking about that i believe next tuesday on radioactive on the 15th wrapping up Hispanic Heritage Month. It is the 6th Ogden Hispanic Festival right there on Wall Street in Ogden. On the 22nd, Diwali Festival of Lights at 6 p.m. Now, a couple other things to remind you about. National Voter Registration Week going on. Do you know where your voter registration is? You got the uh, general election coming up the first Tuesday in November. If you've moved recently, make sure it's updated. You still have time to register to vote. Vote.utah.gov is the website to go and get more details, or you can check with your county clerk online or in person. Friday, People Over Profit Global Climate Strike, 5 p.m. at Washington Square. That's the Fridays for Future Kids, leading that along with an art build. So check that out starting at 5 at Washington Square, and then they're up to the Capitol by about 6 with some more speakers and then marching back down to Washington Square. Bike Prom coming your way on Saturday, 5 to 11 p.m. That's hosted by the Salt Lake City Bicycle Collective. It's also the Utah Council for Citizen Diplomacy's International Youth Summit. We spoke with several of the youth that will be honored at that summit on Monday's show if you want to go check it out. In fact, I think today's Rewind was a great story about a song that changed one of the participants' lives. So do check that out. Also on the 24th, want to shout out to the Utah Humanities Book Festival. Hundreds of events going on across the state uh, through October. And Circus, I picked this one because I thought you and I might appreciate this. Singer-songwriter Mel Soul and rapper Zach Ivey going to break down the basics of writing a great love song. Oh, well, when is that? When this can is I on learn the 24th this? at the Orem Public Library at noon. Nice. So check Rallies and Resources. We've got a link to the book festival, but you can come ready to blush, write, and swoon, they say. Sorensen Legacy Room on Saturday the 24th. Learn how to write 
a great love song. And you and I have uh, been music connoisseurs for quite some time. You know when something lands right, right? Yes. And you know when something lands wrong. Yeah, yeah. I experienced that recently when I was at a co-worker's uh, barbecue, and yeah. they were like, you're a DJ, why don't you take over and play the music? And <laughs> I was out on the porch, and the the music was on a you know portable speaker inside, and every yeah. once in a while, they'd take the speaker and set it outside by me. <laughs> Like you're Has out there to by say, yourself? Uh, maybe you should hear what you're playing. Oh, wow. And change the music. And, you know, I would, but I guess everybody doesn't love Rupert Holmes like I do. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay, so I need to tell a little story because the computer didn't load something accurately, which means I didn't load it accurately. Okay. So why don't you just give us a little taste of what's to come this hour in terms of your approach to music? Oh, goodness. Um... As far as my approach to music goes, I think every day has kind of a feel. When I get up in the morning, I usually have some kind of song in my head, mm -hmm. and I build off of that. And, okay. and some sometimes I'll start working on a show for Friday on Monday morning or Sunday, and by the time Friday rolls around, I'm like, this, everything I've put together this week, It's this isn't a Friday playlist. You're this suddenly is, off it. Is, this is terrible, and I just start all yeah. over. Uh, starts as an earworm earlier in the week and then you're done by the time Friday rolls around you got to start all over yeah sometimes it's I'm coming in here I might just and this happened a lot uh, when I started out here was I would show up with a milk crate with a hundred CDs mm. and you know on a show you're gonna play 20 to 30 songs I've got over a hundred CDs with me Plus, maybe my computer with me, and I'm just like, oh, sweating. What, what, what am I going to play? That fear of one song ending, and you don't know what's coming next, but you do yes. have 100 CDs. <laughs> yes. And, and my CDs are so old and beat up that sometimes they just start skipping, and the sweat that just starts coming out of my <laughs> head pressure. just... Oh, it's, it's a rainforest you know, in here. I for 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 doing this for twenty years, like right now, I'm totally nervous to be on. The Why are radio. you nervous? You know, if I wasn't nervous, I wouldn't be passionate about radio. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's just a little taste of what's to come the rest of this hour. But before we get there, I had the chance to zoom with some actors in town for Little Shop of Horrors at the West Valley Performing Arts Center, and I wanted to find out their take. They are the urchins, you know, the kind of Greek chorus in Little Shop of Horrors? Oh, yeah. Sings all the great tunes, so let's pass the microphone and find out more. West Valley Arts is currently on the boards with Little Shop of Horrors, and I've got several of the cast members with us for this classic musical production. Let's meet them. Let's pass the microphone. So, Nika... Tell us your name, the role you play, and what you like about Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, okay, I'm Nico Barcelona. I play Crystal. I'm one of the street urchins. Um, wow, what what I love about Little Shop of Horrors is just how um, how colorful it is. I love our roles. We're really fun. We're all over the place. We're like the narrators, but the narrators that live on Skid Row with a little bit of swag. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I just love that. I love um, being able to break the fourth wall and just um, sing my heart out. What's your favorite number? Ooh, probably our opening number, Little Shop of Horrors. Let's go to Daisha next. Hi, I'm Daisha, and I play the role of Ronette, one of the street urchins. And what I love about Little Shop of Horrors is that um, our producer, Izzy, allowed us to bring a bit of our own culture into these roles. 
Um, these this role was written for black women and you know black women all over the country we have a little bit of a different culture where Mika is Nigerian I'm from the south and Anna Kaylin you know she comes from a home of like 20 people and she has the funniest things she's literally the funniest one of us she's just her ad-libs are crazy (laughs) we just get to add a bit of ourselves in there so every night it's almost like you get to hear something a little bit different where that's relatable you know I'm coming from you know I grew up in the ghetto as well which is kind of like skid row so I'm just playing something that's comfortable to me um and I think my favorite song is you'll never know because it's the one that I struggle with the most so I learned to love it (laughs) let's go to Courtney then Hi, um, my name is Courtney and I am the swing for these three lovely ladies. Um, So I do get to play all three of the roles of each of the street urchins, Chiffon, Crystal, and Ronette um, on select nights. Um, Gosh, uh, I'm the biggest little shop of horrors nerd, I think. (laughs) Um, And everybody kind of knows this about me and stuff. Um, I love this show to pieces. It is a show that we watch in my house at least three times a year. Um, any time of year. Um, My husband and I are obsessed with it. The swing role specifically means that I have to learn all three of their parts of each of the street urchins, including lines, choreography, um, and blocking and everything. And I run a different track depending on whether or not one of them ends up separate or ends up leaving to have to go and do something or an emergency comes up. So what's your favorite number? Because you have so many to choose from. Goodness gracious. Um, I think right now, this time around, my favorite number is um, Don't Feed the Plants, the finale, um, just because it is just the biggest spectacle out of like everything that we've done in the show. And I'm sorry, but I love the beginning with all three of the urchins getting into that song. It is my absolute favorite moment at all, like of all time. <laughs> Anna, let's go to you. Um, hi, my name is Anna Caitlin Burningham. I play Chiffon. Um, uh, my, listen, they're all probably expecting me to say that my favorite part of Little Shop of Horrors is the choreography. And while it is very slay, it really is. <laughs> I love how the musical is set up to be nostalgic. Not only like just with the 50s, which is where like it's set in, but also the 80s because that's when it was released. Everyone, all of our parents, I guess I can't say parents because y'all are a lot older than me, <laughs> but my up on Little Shop of Horrors. So they're all very, everyone has been very excited to come see it. Um, and I just, I love, I love the camp. It's so, it's so awkward, but in like the best way possible. And it's a very acquired taste, which means every single audience we have is very supportive of the show that we are putting on. And I think that's, um, my favorite number actually is probably Supper Time because our Audrey Two, who was played, voiced by Jared Lessa, is unbelievable. I have never heard anyone in my entire life, and every time on, and we're like, oh, he getting into it, like he's so good. Um, so probably Supper Time. All right, let's go to Izzy. Izzy, introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Izzy Arietta, and I'm the director and choreographer of Little Shop of Horrors. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. On the boards, West Valley Arts through October 1st, shows Thursday, Friday, twice on Saturday. What's the unique twist that listeners 
to this conversation uh, should know about the production the way you've directed it? A unique twist? Let's see. I've really leaned into the comedy. I think the title Little Shop of Horrors makes it seem like it's, it really, I mean, the show does lean itself to a lot of horrific topics, but me really leaning, um, being a comedy guy, like that's what I like to un, uh, wind down to. I, you know, when I get home, I put on Netflix and just watch something funny to kind of release my day um, before I start a new one the next day. So going into Little Shop of Horrors, because it is so horrific, I also wanted to counter that with humor because you're literally seeing a plant eat like a, a dead person's leg and screaming and grabbing it with its tongue and it's bloody. But at the same time, I'm laughing my head off because of the camp of it all, the, the ridiculousness of it all. So I would say for the audience, don't, don't necessarily go into it being thinking that you're going to be scared, but go into it knowing that you're going to be entertained. Well, it sounds like there's lots of room for ad libs or mad libs even. We've been hearing about that. A lot of room for ad libs. How so? Well, I've been hearing that Anna pops off quite a few. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> She's a beast of her own. So we just let her do what she wants. And uh, no one's safe with Anna Caitlin. She's got jokes. <laughs> well, I think when it comes to ad-libs specifically for our characters what's nice about our characters is they are written using aave they're written using like the language that black folks speak very very fluently i suppose um so when there's a moment in the show where one of the characters says something we can literally say ciao like it's not it's not out of character us it's not out of character for us to do so. And I think it really just adds to the dynamic of the urchins almost. We have to be close knit. We have to look like we are sisters and have grown up together. And I think the ad-libs just add a little bit, they add a little bit more spice to the show that adds a little bit more entertainment for especially people of color who come to see the show and are looking to see themselves in the roles that we are playing. So we're gonna go out with the recording of this cast doing the opening number of Little Shop of Horrors. What do you say, everybody? Is that good? Yeah, thank you. Little Shop of Horrors, check tonight's show notes, folks, and you can check out this production in West Valley.
Support for KRCL comes from our listeners and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. KRCL, your community connection since 1979. Getting down with Circus Brown. Down. (laughs) Yeah. This is Boss Hog, Itchy and Scratchy from Circus Brown's Meet the DJ playlist. What's this song do for you? Well, this song was my opening song for Not a Sideshow from 2002 to like. 2005-ish? Yeah. So it was just, this was the, I I guess I was like, okay, this is a really weird, different song, and I'm hoping that my show is weird and different. So that's just how it started. Weird and different. Yes. Independent, definitely. Yes. So before you started doing the show, what made you think you wanted to do a show? And for folks listening going, I'd love to have a show one day. What's your advice for approaching KRCL? Well, for me, I had to bother Troy Mum for a year <laughs> to get into the DJ learning program. Uh-huh. Uh, and so I started like in, uh, in 2001. Yeah. I filled out the form. Troy was like, yeah, we'll think about it. And then uh, like once a month, I'd shoot him an email until finally he gave in and Troy let me have a show. Um, but I, I think what really got me into music and got me, uh, doing this was, um, just as a kid, I just like, I had an older brother and sister that were really into like Rush and, uh, they, they, they liked, uh, Queen and a lot of different music. And so I was always hearing what they liked and then they would have like the, the record, uh, you know, buy a record, buy a tape or a record, and you get f- some other song, uh, anything for a, a penny. Oh, the, they joined that club. Yeah, one of those, one of those things. And so, for the first, uh, first music I ever bought, I bought a tape of Van Halen "Diver Down" and uh, the Hall and Oates uh, hits compilation "Heart and Soul." Oh. So those were my two first albums I ever bought. And I think that kind of explains not a sideshow <laughs> a little bit. You know, so much of what I know about music, same thing. It's like my older brother, what he's listening to, like the records that your family had growing up. What was what was on the turntable at the Brown House? Kingston Trio. <laughs> Where have all the flowers gone? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, my dad really dug Kingston Trio. Listen to that a lot. I mean, I... Uh, that was probably the earliest music I ever heard was yeah. Kingston Trio. So when did it turn to the weird and wild? Um, well, I I noticed when I was when I was like a youngster, um, I had a job. I was a janitor. Okay. Like when I was like eight or nine years old, I was a janitor, and I was allowed to have my boombox on the garbage can. You know, I was a tiny kid, and I had this huge garbage can. I pushed around uh, my dad's office building and collected everybody's garbage at the end of the day. And so I had this boombox on there, and I would listen to the radio. And then a song would come on that I'd like, and I'd hit record. And so I, I was, like, making tapes real young, and, you know, I was always missing part of it, and there was commercials on the tape, and I forget I'd be recording. But I really liked, I was just like, oh, I, w- I was that kid when I'd stay home from school. I would call and bother the DJs, and, will you play, will you play Slade? And they'd be like, "No, kid, I'm not gonna play that song." And I'd I'd call in, just I'd call all day long, 
like if I was homesick and every DJ in Utah probably hated me. Yeah. Or they probably, it was before caller ID, so they didn't know who was calling. So they always answered and were just, you'd hear their disappointment when they'd hear my young voice. So I always wanted, and I was like, the songs I liked that I heard on the radio were not what would always get played. Yeah. Like in my early 20s, um, Sean Boy Walton yeah. was like my favorite DJ because every weekday he would have a, a half an hour where he'd play like three songs you've never heard. And that's where I was like finding music in the early 90s. So uh, I've always, and it would be like the songs he would play that I would be like, oh, this is cool and weird and different. I'd go see that band and I'd be like one of the only people at the shows. Yeah. So that was always my favorite way to see a show though. Yeah. Like feeling you discovered something that the universe wasn't aware of yet. Next time they come through town, it's going to be packed. Yeah. Right. Okay. Let's go to the next song on the list. And what did you discover in the story to go with it? Cause this is circus Brown through the ages, 20 yes. years. So, you know, um, I, I, one of the bands that I, you know, got into when I was still in like middle school as Camper Von Beethoven. They had, they did that cover of Pictures of Magic Men. Yep. And then when I was in my late teens, I found out that they were, you know, they had lots and lots of albums and it was, they were weird and very different. And liked Utah. Yeah. They, they wrote songs about Utah. And so for a while, not every show, but for a while, my, the last song I played. Uh, uh, to finish off a lot of my shows was uh, Shut Us Down by Camper Vine Beethoven. All right, let's do it. All right. KRCL. It's Mercury Rev, a sudden ray of hope on KRCL Radioactive. I'm Laura Jones, and Spending the hour with Circus Brown, host of Not a Sideshow, Friday nights at 8 here on KRCL. He's celebrating 20 years tomorrow. To the day, right? To the day. September 23rd, 2002 is when this whole thing started. Uh, well, i got to hear the story about why this is on your Meet the DJ playlist. Uh, you know, this song came out in 95, mm -hmm. and I think this song uh, was just... Anytime I was having a horrible day or a relationship ended, it was just the song I would go to. This is that was the one that would like would change my day. So music does that for you. It's yes. catharsis. But amazingly enough, I've never had the blues. <laughs> so I've never gotten into the blues. In fact, I can't stand listening to sad music when I'm sad. Yeah. I think that's the I think that's the wrong way to go about it. So I've always just been like, okay, what what do I really really like? You can change the frequency with a good song, right? Exactly. It gets it changes my mood, and, I'm, and you know, and when I hear something that gets me in a good mood, then I'm like, okay, I'm gonna build a playlist off of this, and and maybe by Friday it will sound good. Yeah, I can kind of tell what mood you're in based by when I tune in and listen. Like, oh, it's the aggro night. Tonight. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> wow, he's been listening to a lot of grunge this week. <laughs> well, I wanted to get a little bit behind the music with Circus Brown, so uh, I have two words for you: Eagle Beak. Take us into your uh, real world life. So, so to speak. for uh, so. Uh, I, I've been I've had my day job longer than I've had the radio gig. Okay. Uh, my day job I uh, I'm in I do 3D printing. Uh, I work for a company called Go Engineer. We're like the biggest 
3D printing and SolidWorks reseller in the world. Uh, and we're based out of Utah. And I've been there since August of 1997. That's so a long time. 20, I just hit 25 years working for Go Engineer. And, and um, amazingly enough, my real name isn't Circus. Uh, I have a day job name. Um, so uh, in 1998, we got a 3D printer. I was the only person at my office that day that they were installing a 3d printer and the guy said well i can't leave until i teach somebody here how to run this thing and you're the only one in the office and i was the marketing director of the company so i was like all right you know 3d printer whatever i didn't know what it was uh, i barely knew what cad was and so i learned how to run the 3d printer and then it just over the years that's just been what i've done just yeah printing prototypes for people, okay. uh, fixing 3D printers, installing 3D printers, teaching how to people how to run 3D printers. And then in, in 2007, or 2000, between 2005 and 2007, uh, uh, someone came to me that had, uh, he was working with a, a, a bird refuge up in Idaho. Someone had a, an, an eagle that had uh, had its beak shot off. And um, one thing I didn't know about birds is they can break their beak, and sometimes in their life they'll break their beak off, and it grows back. Mm -hmm. This eagle's beak did not grow back. And it was at the sanctuary, and they were hand-feeding it, couldn't preen itself, couldn't take care of itself, so they had to do everything for this bird. So one of my uh, clients uh, scanned, did a th used a 3D scanner, scanned in like uh, different eagle, dead, uh, deceased eagle's skulls, uh, combined it with this eagle's um, nub of a, of a beak, and we 3D printed over a year, just I was always printing, you know, 1% bigger, 1% smaller beaks until they got the right size beak for this eagle. Uh, and then they machined like a really nice nylon beak and that bird uh, was able to feed itself and take care of itself. If you Google beauty the eagle, and it was just kind of funny because I did that for a few years and then and it was just, it, we did it for free because, you know, yeah. eagles don't have any money. No source of income. And so we, it was just like, oh, you know, every once in a while I'd make a beak for this bird. And then one day, like, it was on, you know, every 24-hour news channel was a story about Beauty the Eagle. Yeah. And I was like, oh, hey, I did that. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and then people would be like, hey, if you, you're into 3D printing. Have you seen this news story about <laughs> this eagle? I'm like, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And for like, it was like during the MySpace time up until Facebook came out, it was like a few times a year somebody would just send that to me. Yeah. Have you seen this? This is amazing. Look and at what you can do with 3D printing. I recently read that uh, Beauty the Eagle's beak finally grew back. That's fantastic. So you know, that's a touchy-feely story. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this, this you know, that's pretty cool thing. So uh, 3D printing is just like uh, when I when I started doing 3D printing, there was no you couldn't go to college for it or anything. It was just like it was this new thing. So you just got your hands in there. And I got in it. on the ground level. I love it. Uh, it was really nice. You said you have a, a a real day job name, but how did you come up with Circus? And it's not a sideshow, too. I, you know, I can, I can openly admit, as a teenager and in my early twenties, I was terrible, and I just did dumb things and acted like a crazy person. And a real good friend of mine, uh, Josh Crowder, in the band Elbowfin, uh, gave me the name Circus, uh, and and that's just it stuck. It's I thought it sounded really good. Yeah. 
Um, uh, I guess when, uh, you know, I was born before uh, ultrasound, so my parents had decided it was going to be Kirk or Golden. And so the first time I was ever on radio, uh, I went by Golden Brown. Hmm. And that was... Is that uh, a Jay Golden Kimball reference <laughs> or... I just golden brown sounds. It I, does. I, my, I think my dad thought that sounded really funny. Like yeah. oh, just like a pancake, <laughs> a little golden brown. And so the first time I was ever on the radio was uh, I was living in Colorado, and I used to love uh, AM eleven ninety was like the Boulder Colorado College Station, mm-hmm. uh, University of Colorado. And so I would uh, I was always listening to that station when I lived in in Denver. And one morning, the D, the morning DJ was like, okay, every Friday we do a, you know, let's talk about this band kind of show. And somebody call in and just tell me a band you'd like to, to hear three songs of or hear played during the week, and we'll, I'll, I'll do that show. And I called in and said, yeah, you should do a show on the Flaming Lips. And sh- uh, the DJ said, well, you have a good voice. Do you want to do a show with me on the Flaming Lips? I don't know anything about them. So I said, sure. So I picked like five songs that she played during the week, every morning. And then on that Friday, I, I did like, uh, uh, we played three songs. So it went great. People were calling in saying, this is, you know, this was great. This was fun. That guy's pretty funny. And so she, she asked me to be back on the next week. So the next week I like planned it out. The next week we did Built to Spill which, oh, this is going to segue right into the next song. So the next week, uh, I, <laughs> I did the show again, and she said, so, Golden, why did you want to do, uh, why are you here on the radio with me? And I said, well, all the time I spend uh, on the radio goes towards my community service hours. And I think she about had a heart attack. <laughs> and I thought it was funny. <laughs> And then we got done with the three songs, and I was like, what are we doing next week? She's like, you're not going to come back next week. And so when I moved back like a year later to, to and I probably have that on tape somewhere. I, I uh, want to hear that. So when I moved back to Utah the next year, uh, that's when I was like, I should probably do the radio. Yeah. That sounds like fun. Yeah. So that's how I got here. <laughs> This takes us to Built to Spill yes. on your Meet the DJ playlist. So uh, Built to Spill, I I think it was uh, in 1995, hanging out with some friends. Uh, my, my, my friend's older brother played Built to Spill, and we were just like, okay, we're going to the record shop right now, and like immediately went, bought everything I could find from Built to Spill, and like a week later they were playing at Spanky's. And you came through a lot. An amazing show. Uh, at one point, Doug's amp caught on fire, and then uh, uh, the opening band was um, uh, Chopper, who's in Manionero now. It was his old band. Jeez. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Chopper. I always forget the name of the band. Oh, the Decomposers. That's what it was. The Decomposers was like, oh, here, Doug, you can use our, our amp. And so then every time uh, Doug would come back to t- town, Bill Spill would come back to town, and the decompo- Decomposers was o- were opening for him. So it was cool. It was a, it was an awesome show. Love me some built to spill. Here's uh here's car. Right here on ninety point nine FM, KRCL. You get the car, I'll get the night off, you'll get the chance to take 
Seago Lily Center for the Abused Deaf hosts its Purple Tie Gala Saturday, October 1st at the Robert G. Sanderson Deaf Center in Salt Lake. They'll commemorate 22 years of empowering victims of domestic violence and sexual assault with a Roaring Twenties-themed celebration and fundraiser. For more info and opportunities to help, visit slcad.org. KRCL's record sales season is coming to a close this Saturday at the Downtown Farmer's Market from 8 to 2 p.m. in Pioneer Park. If you can believe it, we'll still have brand new fresh vinyl to put out for this sale. We still have Dylan, we still have the Talking Heads, lots of 80s records, lots of blues records, and as always, lots of Judy Collins. This is the final sale of the season, so everything must go. Visit krcl.org for all the details. Yeah, the record sale circus coming up on Saturday live broadcast down at yes. uh, the farmer's market. Folks, we'll be ready to make those deals. All right, coming up at 7, it is Democracy Now! Then you're going to get Thursday Night Psych Out with DJ Mike at 8. Gianni walking the dirty boulevard with you starting at 10.30. At 1 a.m., Rich checks in with I Don't Sound Like Nobody. And then Illustrated Blues with Jolene at 3 a.m. And John Florence starting off your brand new day and your weekend at 6 a.m. The last two weeks of any show, you can listen on demand at krcl.org. Yeah. Uh, so uh, just thinking about the, the lineup tonight, um, I, I was on uh, in between... Uh, the Thursday show and uh, um, Jolene's show, uh, Illustrated Blues, for yeah. a, a while. So, like 2002 to 2005, I was on Monday mornings, 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. How hard was that? It was the one of the worst things I had ever decided to do, <laughs> and I, and I wanted it so bad. And Troy was like, "Yeah, we have a slot open. It's 3 a.m. Monday morning." Mm. I was okay. I'll do it. So uh, I, I used to like watch football all day with my friends on Sundays, and I was like, okay, everything's changing. I would just sleep all day Sunday. Get up like eight eight or nine o'clock in the evening. Have like breakfast for dinner. Uh, play video games. Uh, <laughs> kind of just watch TV and do stuff and like plan my show all all evening, and then hopefully not fall asleep and make it here at three. And then uh, the the DJ that came on at six a.m. on Monday mornings was the Iceman. The Iceman, man, that's a way back machine. And he would uh, like sometimes I'd be playing like heavy metal, you know, five thirty on a Monday morning because yeah. I figured you gotta wake up, you know. Yeah. And he would roll in and he would just be. I could tell he hated what I was playing, and he'd be <laughs> in the worst mood. And I'd say, see you next Monday, Iceman. And he'd say, God willing, if the creek don't rise. So that's a good, that's classic. He, it was, um, I, it was, it was definitely a, a wonderful way to learn how to be on the radio because I could do whatever I wanted, make all the mistakes while relatively low number of people listening perhaps yeah, and we I build your audience. I probably make more mistakes now than I did yeah. back then because I was trying so hard, but. Uh, my first show was uh, was just you know regular radio show. The second week was Radiothon. Right into it, and I was told you know don't worry about it. You need to raise a hundred dollars, and I sweated all week just worrying about that. Yeah. And uh, one of my uh, my roommate's sister was uh, the spokesmodel for uh, the Provo Girl beer. Okay, and I said Ingrid, will you come do a radio show with me and help me raise some money? 
um, for Radiothon. It's my second show ever. And she said, oh, sure, that sounds like fun. So she came in. We raised like over like $120. And one thing I didn't know is between like three and six in the morning, that's when like people working at other radio stations are driving into work yeah. and they're looking for something to listen to. So she got offered a job that like within the, a few days of this to go be a, on a, like a morning zoo show. And she went and did it. And she told my roommate, her brother, don't tell circus that I got a job because that's probably <laughs> what he wants to do for a living. And, and she did that for a few months and she hated it. She had yeah. to get up at 4am and, and drive down from park city to Salt Lake to do a show. But it was, uh, you know, I went right into the fire right off the bat at KRCL. And, I, you know, it was a great way to learn. After that, after those those couple of years, I went to Thursday, uh, well, Friday morning, 1 a.m. So I was on uh, after Gianni and Joe's Garage. It was like 1030 to 1. And then I was on from 1 to 3 until Jolene showed up for Illustrated Blues. And I did that for a year. And then I took over Saturday night, 10 o'clock to midnight, uh, which was the Kicking Judy show. Mm -hmm. And that time slot is what first got me into KRCL in the 90s was, I don't think it was Kicking Judy at the time, but there was always like a cool uh, punk rock kind mm -hmm. of show going on on Saturday nights. Yeah. And that was probably the only show I listened to. It was, we'd be driving to a party or going to a concert or something like Put on KRCL because everything else is garbage. And yeah. we'd listen to that that show uh, to and from wherever we were going. Well, you obviously loved it enough to move around in all the different time slots. When did you officially kind of settle in to Friday nights, not a side show? That was, I think, January 2009 okay. is when that started. And I was told, your show will no longer be called Not a Side Show. What? <laughs> and it was uh, uh, all the shows were, you know, uh, were going to be like Tuesday evening. Wednesday evening, Thursday evening, uh, and so you're just going to be Friday evening. And I was like, well, that's fine, but I'm still going to call it not a sideshow. <laughs> and 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 I and I don't think it I don't think it took because yeah. um, uh, uh, Brian's show on Monday they didn't want to change their name. Yeah, and I said, well, if they're not changing, and I don't know, I don't remember much of 2009, uh, yeah. but it it. I, all of us kept our names, I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure. And so we had a, mm -hmm. you know, Fridays, I think, kind of felt right for me. Yeah. Well, volunteers are the lifeblood of KRCL. And the passion that folks bring to it is crucial to a good show. So what do you got next? What do you, like moving? Oh, I... I thought you were like talking about what's your next time slot move. No, we're moving yet. <laughs> Circus, I've invited you here tonight to tell you you're moving here. and you're going to have to call it something else. <laughs> no, what what's your next? Because it's, what we asked you to do is like, okay, pick some music from over the throughout the ages that you just love. So in the '90s, when I got my first email address, when I got my day job, I started doing tape trading. <laughs> <laughs> like I got a P.O. box downtown so I could have a P.O. box next to my office. And I would just like uh, sometimes I'd go to concerts and I had friends that ran that were the run of the board. And they'd get me a, a recording off of the board. And then I would uh, I'd copy that, send that tape to somebody. They'd send me a, a, a show from their town. And sometimes they'd just put be like, here's a bunch of bands you need to check out. And one of the bands that showed up on several of the uh, mixtapes people were sending me was uh, the Olivia Tremor Control, uh, a band out of uh, Louisiana and Athens, Georgia. They're 
part of the Elephant Six, and uh, it, it wasn't like you could go on the internet in 1997 and look them up. I had no idea who they were. I couldn't find their albums or anything. And so I just had tapes until I would luck out and go to a record shop and somebody had a, a used CD they turned in. So uh, I really just, the Livia Tremor Control is kind of a, their 90s band that had this real cool uh, 60s psychedelic sound. And at one point around 2011, um, they were Getting back together, the band came and uh, played at, at Kilby Court, with, and it was it wasn't it was all the Elephant Six bands. So it was Olivia Tremor Control, Elf Power, uh, of Montreal, uh, uh, Neutral Milk Hotel, uh, Marshmallow Coast, all these different bands. They just played a bunch of songs by all of them. It was like fifteen musicians, and it, I just lucked out that. I was hanging out after the show and I said, you guys need, what are you guys doing tonight? And they said, we need somewhere to stay. I was like, Oh, come over to my house. So like, uh, some of the guys from all of the bands ended up at my house, including, uh, the, like two of the main guys from Olivia tremor control and, and they tell you never meet your, your, uh, yeah. your heroes. And I, it, it, really made me so nervous to like hang out with these In people. And so it was great. I made them frittatas the next morning before they left Did you pick the tomatoes town. out of the garden? It was, it was like in March, though there oh. was no tomatoes But you yet. always have tomatoes into the new year because you Oh yeah, I freeze them, and dry them. Of course. Uh, I, they're my, I have no <laughs> idea. I can't remember. It was, it was nerve-wracking. It was cool to hang out with them. And I, I've always just been so into Olivia Tremor Control. Like three or four months later, uh, the lead singer passed away. Oh my gosh. So, oh, bringing us down, Circus. But their music is still out there. It and lives you can on. listen to them. It's Let's awesome. Hear it. So, here's a holiday surprise one, two, three, some Olivia Tremor Control right here on Carousel. Little Olivia Tremor Control from Circus Brown's Meet the DJ playlist. Man, we're running out of time. This has been fun. Uh, I, you gave me like twenty questions. I and we did. did like three. <laughs> this is great. So you were talking about meeting a, a hero from that band. What other heroes have you met? Uh, well, last last year when uh, the Flaming Lips were at Ogden Twilight, uh, the week before uh, Wayne Coyne of the Flaming Lips had uh, an art exhibit up in Ogden mm -hmm. and uh, the King's Mouth art exhibit that he had going on um, at the Monarch. Yes. And so the opening night, he was there doing spin art. And so I got in line and we just happened to be like one of the uh, first people in line. And uh, it, when it, when we started doing the art, my my wife, Colette, which was like, Elmo, like, talk, start, you're good at conversation, say something to him. And I was like, you know, the first time I ever saw you guys play was August of 94, and you were opening for Tool. And Wayne said, so you did you go to that show because you were a Tool fan? I said, yeah, but I left a Flaming Lips fan. And right then, I mean, you know, we're all wearing masks, pandemic. And he he just grabbed me and started hugging me. He was like the nicest guy <laughs> ever. And that was, I, you, they say, you, you know, don't meet your yeah. heroes. But he was, like, such an awesome person to meet. And, I, and I, so... One of these days, I'm going to get around to framing that spin art. It's really cool. Got him to sign it, and I was yeah. just like, okay, this is something really special for me. So it's been worth it. 20 years here. I think it's I think it's done all right for me. <laughs> I asked you about tomatoes, kind of a little side reference there in our last break, and you were kind of the tomato king, although I think Gianni may have 
fought you for that a couple of times over the years. Shiani or Al, they, I, and you know what? I why fight, guys? Um, I love tomatoes for everybody. I, I got a few blue ribbons in 2019 at the state <laughs> fair, and I, I, you know, I, I got the blue ribbons. I didn't come in second place, so why am I going to enter them again? I know, right? <laughs> but uh, your yeah. secret? Uh, fish water. Fish water. Fish water from my fish tanks. I've yeah. always had fish. Love fish. And I, I seem to grow some pretty decent tomatoes. This year was rough. I heard there was like a tomato virus. Yeah, there was a blight going around. And so I lost, uh, I planted 20 plants. I lost six of them, I think. Yeah. But I, th they're coming on strong right now. Yeah, I've got like, a ton coming too if I'm you gonna, need some. I'm going to go pick tomatoes <laughs> tonight. Or sure, yeah. yeah. Well, we are going to wrap up with one more song, but I want to hear what's happening tomorrow night on your 20th to the day anniversary show. So tomorrow, uh, I dug up my first playlist of the first show I ever did. So I'm going to redo that show. Really? And uh, So starting with Boss Hog? Uh, yep, start with Boss Hog. It was uh, my show. I guess it was, um, I think there was news after me, so it was like two hours. Because yeah. I, I was getting the set list together today, and I'm like, this is only two hours long. Uh, so I, uh, for that half hour that I got to fill in, uh, I've got a, 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 like a real loud metal band coming in called Marula that's going to be playing live. I really love the new KRCL studios. I can have bands play here and it's just, it sounds beautiful and I'm really excited because this is only the second band I've had play, uh, here since I've, we've moved. Well, congratulations on 20 years as a volunteer at KRCL do a great job and uh not a sideshow friday nights eight o'clock you can always catch the last two weeks on demand at krcl.org what are we going out with uh i uh, in 2018 a song came out called henchlock by the ocs it's over 20 minutes long so we won't get through it but for for like the last four years i almost play it once a month yeah and it's not because I'm lazy. It's because at CareCL, you can play long songs, and the song just, it goes. All right. So here's some Henchlock uh, by the OCs right here on 90.9 FM, CareCL. Thanks, Circus. Thank you, Laura. KRCL, Salt Lake City. Remember that scooter stage you went through in high school? KRCL's vehicle donation partners, Cars Inc., will come take that scooter off your hand, give you a tax receipt, and cut a check to KRCL. Whether your boat dream has finally sunk or you've gotten the last mile out of your beloved van wagon, donating your vehicle to KRCL is easy and helps support the community radio station you love. Visit the support tab at krcl.org for more information about donating your vehicle to KRCL.